Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I mean, I don't know if there is or not. I don't know. I, I never thought about it. You know, maybe I'm off, but I don't know. Nothing comes to the forefront of my mind. You don't call them sinners. I, I never thought about it, but I probably don't. Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, this ain't easy. This is Wretched Radio. How do you and I as Christians talk like Jesus in a culture that is so acrimonious? How do we engage in discourses regarding politics, regarding morality issues, regarding economics? How do I talk not like a political talk show host, How do I talk like Jesus Christ? And that is not an easy balance to find, especially considering our current cultural context. It's interesting. I was watching Bill Maher being interviewed by Ben Shapiro on his Sunday program. And Bill Maher was on about a subject that I've seen him talk about on his show regularly. I don't watch it regularly. It just gets it's too vulgar for me. But I tune in enough just to go, what's this cat up to these days? And he's regularly saying, we just we need to be nicer these days. Did you hear what that bleeping former president just bleeping did? <laughs> and I just scratch my head and wonder, um, do you have anybody who maybe tells you you're saying one thing and doing the other, Bill? Does that ever, <laughs> do you ever receive counsel like that? While he recognizes the discourse in our country has indeed become rather intense, I, I don't think that he has a mechanism or a worldview or a framework to help him do what it is that he says we all need to do. He says it. He just doesn't do it. I want to do it. How do I do that? And I, I, I have to confess to you, as I noodle through this subject, the only way that I think you and I can talk with the correct balance of truth and love is if I'm engaged in the local church and I'm allowing other people to speak into my life. If I don't have that, I'm telling you I am going to miss the mark. Every single time, or it will just be, it'll be like playing darts. And on occasion, I get a bullseye, but because it's not because of a skill set, but just because, well, that's what God predetermined. But I, I'm going to, I'm going to struggle to find it unless I have you saying to me, um, psst, bro, you're sounding either a little too intense. And then there's the other side where we need the reminder. Psst. You're kind of sounding squishy. (laughs) Can you find that balance? I can't. What do I need? I need my family and I need my church family to help me do what Bill Maher does not have a chance to accomplish. And we want to be careful because we will tend to study one side or the other. For instance, on my desk spewed all, all over the place are different stories. And I have, in in the one hand, stories about how to be kind and nice. On the other hand, I've got stories that say, we need to talk like Jesus, you whitewashed tomb. And, and, and you get kind of two different messages. I got to smush those two together and find the right balance. It's not easy to do. But let's see if we can do better than Bill Maher. 
Let's begin with how we are talking to one another. Was at Tim Challey's blog, catching up on what he's been up to. He writes this, Oakville, this is in Canada, was home to an exceptional tropical fish store. At its center was a massive circular aquarium filled with sharks and other predatory fish. And once each week, the employees would host a feeding frenzy that was open to the public. I'd go to that. One of them would climb a ladder to the top of the tank and begin to toss pieces of meat to the creatures lurking below. No sooner did the flesh hit the surface and the blood begin to seep into the water than the sharks went mad, thrashing, circling, fighting over the bits. Can you see what illustration he is writing for us? Tim Challey said they could have almost been us. A people who so often delight to tear one another apart, to focus on flaws more than virtues, to be critical rather than encouraging, harsh rather than tender, vindictive rather than merciful. And so we have Tim Challies encouraging us, hey, with one another, we, we got to be careful that we aren't acting, we, we aren't like sharks with chum in the water. Ah, I just love that. I'd go see a feeding frenzy at a pet store like this. That'd be kind of a cool thing to do on Saturday with the kids. Unfortunately, I have a tendency to desire that when it comes to public discourse. We love the fight. Let's be honest. There's a reason that even ministries that tend to be incendiary do rather well. We're kind of like General MacArthur. The fight. How I love it. And, and I, I can't be that way. And yet... I don't want to be a squish bum either. No, this is no finding this balance. That's why I need you. And that's why you need your local church. And that's why we need, I think, especially in the context of our families and our local church to develop a culture where we can indeed say to one another, bro, I want to dial that back a little bit. I tone that down just a touch. Without going, da, you're a liberal jerk, and and vice versa, that somebody says, um, bro, don't you think we should express a little bit of outrage over some of these subjects, like you know, abortion? You're just a far right Ku Klux Klan member. Okay, all right, okay. I mm, we've got to have a culture where we can say things like that to one another, where we can help one another, because I'm telling you. This balancing act, oof, Jesus always found it. Jesus always stayed on the line. And that's why I need to follow him as best I can. And I do need to be gentle. And I also need to recognize there are times to be even severe. After all, consider the issues that are at stake these days. I, it was interesting, Bill Maher saying, well, you know, why, can't, why, can't, why can't we talk to each other like we used to? And I think the answer is... The subjects are different. Yeah, you're putting it underneath the umbrella of politics, but we've moved from whether or not these are infrastructure issues. Should we send a man to the moon? What should the tax system be like? These are issues of morality, like abortion, like gender, like sexuality. 
like what we're teaching our children in public schools, not to mention we're also talking about human flourishing issues where we as biblically informed Christians recognize that if a culture, even if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, has certain principles put in place because that is how God has ordained the world to work, and just like a software programmer has determined this is the way the system is going to run, if we're not in alignment with that, it, it's you're going to operator error, whatever the computer says when it goes bonkers. On the other hand, if you follow them, even if you do not believe in the source of them, things will tend to go better. And so it is we look at a culture that is forwarding horribly anti-biblical ideologies like CRT and wokeism, open borders, They're taking pokes these days at, polit- at freedom of speech and freedom of religion. The right to bear are all of those issues that are like, oh, these are kind of big. That's why this conversation is so intense these days. And I don't know about you, but I have an inclination. I just have the ability. It is I, I'll either be on one day super soft or on the other day, I can just be super snarky. And I, I don't think that we're called to be either of those things. Let's find our balance. And let's help one another do that. Let's continue with Tim Challies talking about how we should be showing mercy, even though we live in a culture of a feeding frenzy. We can show mercy toward people's reputations. Solomon says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. But we sometimes find such delight in destroying a person's name and knowing their reputation and, and lowering their reputation all the way to the gutter. Well, that's an interesting challenge, isn't it? So how do you do that with somebody who would like to see three-year-olds get castrated? How, how do you do that? How do we speak? This is, this is not an easy calling for us right now. Maybe this will be somewhat helpful. Remember, we're going to find our balance here because we've also got to look at more of the severe threatenings and warnings of Jesus, the language that he used. So we're, we're, just, we're just looking at, at this whole thing to try to find the right balance because if you just read one story and not the other, well, then you're either going to be a squish bum or you're going to sound like a political jerk. I need to be thinking is what I'm saying to or about this person going to hurt their reputation, cause people to not want to serve them in a restaurant? I think that's a fair consideration. Compassion calls us to feel the harm that is being done to them by having their reputation destroyed. We can show mercy by speaking well of people instead of speaking ill. We can show mercy by refusing to pass along gossip. We can show mercy by choosing to look for evidences of grace in a person rather than evidences of sinfulness. We can show mercy by refusing to share information that is unproven or just plain unnecessary. We can be merciful where others are being brutal and have compassion upon those while protecting and enhancing their good name. You got that nailed? Hmm? I don't. Let's see if we can work with one another and help one another find the balance on Wretched Radio. Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Oh, look at that. 
tell me. That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Thanks for joining us on Wretched Radio today. Question, do you ever sit back and reflect on what your life was like 5, 10, 15, even 20 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah, me neither. There's too much going on in the present to waste time reflecting on the past. And that, unfortunately, is the mindset of culture today. Of course, it's actually beneficial to reflect on the past, especially past episodes of Wretched TV and Radio, which can be found organized nice and neat at Wretched.org. You'll also find over 40 amazing resources in the Wretched store, which coincidentally were all produced and written in the past. Imagine that. You can learn in the present from things produced in the past. And thanks to the ongoing support of our gospel partners, we have been able to continue talking about the greatest event that ever happened in the past, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sure would love and cherish your prayers and support as we use the things of the past to affect lives in the present and future. So if any of this made any sense to you whatsoever, visit us online right now at wretched.org slash donate. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have. Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground, the Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine. To learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism, learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 64 AD. After fire ravages Rome, Emperor Nero blames Christians and unleashes the first state-sanctioned persecution of Christians. Roman persecution would continue for 250 years until Emperor Constantine officially recognized and defended Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Can we do better than... Bill Maher. This is Wretched Radio. Bill Maher encouraging the country to be nicer when it comes to political discourse, to have civil conversations. And then, of course, he opens up a flamethrower and just torches anybody on the right side of the political aisle, all the while saying, why, why does it have to be so nasty these days? And yet... I do at least want to take up the challenge and ask the Jesus question. How would he speak in these times? I don't think that he would be entirely soft. I don't think that he'd be entirely severe. 
But we see evidences. No, we see both of those ways of speaking presented by Jesus himself. So how do I find that? How do I hit the mark on these issues? And one of the things that I think is most helpful is that we remember we need one another for this task because we can't do it by ourselves. Tone and content, we give ourselves a pass Whether you're being too squishy or you're being too severe, we give ourselves a pass and we need one another to say, "Mm, not so good. Can we do that with one another without getting angry and (laughs) burning down somebody else's village because they think that we maybe didn't nail the tone of our remarks or even the content of our remarks correctly? I, I, I think that's going to be key for us. I also think it's key to be studying Jesus. How did he do it? When did he do it? What were the subjects that caused him to call somebody a whitewashed tomb? And I think that we've got the answer to it. It is when somebody was leading somebody to eternal damnation. That caused him to go, hey, you're wicked, in your in your in your view you're wicked in what you are teaching and prescribing for people you're not leading them to heaven you're leading them to hell and it caused him to be severe and here's our challenge we'll read that article like this one that i've got and and by the way it's just it's just the people who wrote these articles weren't weren't like representing a side per se they were just studying hey Here's how we need to be talking in in different contexts. So one is focusing on the softness. The other one is focusing on the harshness. I'll have a tendency to gravitate toward the one that I have a preference for. Uh, I have a tendency. I I prefer the harsh talk. That's, That's the type of language I like. Just shoot straight. Don't monkey business with the story. Just give it to me. There are other people, though, who have the inclination to be rather soft and to never say anything critical about anyone because, well, that isn't nice. This is not an easy task. Let's see if we can find the balance by looking at both of these articles. An encouragement from Tim Challies. This is not in the context of the political realm. This is with one another, but it definitely has spillover into our, our neighborhood conversations, the people that we work with. He's talking about being merciful. Rather than going after somebody, we show mercy. We put the best construction on things as we are commanded to do from Tim Challies. Wives should be merciful with their husband's annoying habits. Husbands should be merciful with their wife's irritating foibles. Christians should patiently bear with church members who differ with them on matters of conscience or who have little knowledge of how to honor God or little understanding of the freedom the gospel offers us. Compassion calls us to feel love for them rather than apathy or frustrated or hatred. It calls us to bear with them rather than rebuke them. It calls us to joyfully show mercy to them. Now, you might be hearing that and going, oh, so you just want us to just Put down our, let them steamroll over us. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm not saying. I'm saying that there are times that we can show mercy. And I think this might be a help for us in finding our balance. Because I think what tends to happen is we, we, will, we, will, we will try to find the mark of speaking truth and love. 
and one of the sides tend to be addressed and 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 then and then then we'll kind of shoot for that or somebody will say well this is how you talk these are the words that you use and give us some rules for discourse i don't think that's the path forward i think that the path forward is that you and i we're only going to speak like christ as we become like christ that that i that i think is our path forward what Chalice is is describing here i can't i can't drum this up i can't do this the things that people do are irritating to me their beliefs are infuriating to me i i i can't be merciful at the right time in the right way if i'm not becoming like the source of mercy i think that's i think that's that's how we become better at speaking the way that Jesus did. We become like him. Just consider what Chalice is saying. He's saying, look, you got to be merciful. You got to be compassionate. And you got to do it at the right times because you don't want to give a pass on evil that is being perpetrated. <laughs> how do I do that? Well, I think we help one another. But at the same time, if we aren't growing in our thinking being in conformity to the thinking of God, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to sort this. I think the challenge for us is not to come up with precepts about how to talk as Christians, but how to become like Christ. And out of that will flow the right tone and the right attitude. On the other hand, this is an article, uh, Why So Harsh? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Only such things as good for building up that fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That, that's our commandment. Colossians 4, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. 2 Timothy 2, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting opponents with gentleness. Titus chapter 3, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle. First Peter 3, in your hearts, honor Christ as holy, always being prepared to make a defense of anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that lies within you. That verse continues, but do it with gentleness and respect. And then we see Jesus ripping it up. We see Jesus not sounding gentle, as we've studied here before. The word gentle doesn't mean squishy and soft. It means that you keep yourself under control, that you don't become nasty and personal and pejorative with your language. You've got it under control, but that doesn't mean it can express itself in ways that are. We're talking about abortion here. We're talking about allowing children to have their bodies altered by educators who think that they know better. Starting at age three in public schools, three, three, we're teaching them about these things. Ooh, ooh. I don't want to become so politically correct that I just become a, a, a limp reed, just bending and blowing, and I'll just get along. I, I don't want to do that either. Quote from Martin Luther. We should follow Paul's example, showing affection to those who go astray, like parents toward their children. 
that they will be aware of our fatherly and motherly affection toward them and will see that we don't wish their ruin, but rather their well-being. On the other hand, against the devil and his ministers. All right. Pause on Martin Luther for a moment with our families, with our we're always kind, always kind. It it, it, it doesn't you, you can have a, a correction delivered and it can still sound motherly or fatherly. That's that's how we should be treating one another. But Martin Luther goes on, on the other hand, against the devil and his ministers and against the authors of false doctrine and the sects, we should also follow the other example of the apostles. With them, we should show ourselves impatient, proud, cutting, bitter, detesting, and condemning of their trickery and double talk with all possible zeal and severity. Now, I'm not sure Martin Luther is <laughs> is infallible. Sorry, my Lutheran friends, because he could be too severe and he could be too harsh. And I'm not sure that I would even agree with some of these words, cutting, bitter, detesting. I, I think that's going too far because that, that entirely removes the component of love. This is what parents do when a dog bites their son and hurts him. They chase the dog, but with the sweetest words, comfort, and speak gently to the child. Did Martin Luther have the balance? I don't think so. <laughs> he admitted it himself, didn't he? When he was standing before the Diet of Worms, I, I'm, I've written too harshly. So he admitted that. Let's identify the subject. Let's identify the issue. Let's put it in evangelistic terms. Let's take it out of the political realm and move things more into the spiritual and biblical realm. And if we are going to talk to people like Jesus, I need two things. I need you to help me. And I'm sorry, but you need me to help you. And we all need to be striving to become like the source of how to speak rightly all the time, Jesus himself. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. In an update to a story we first shared last week, Disney CEO Bob Chappick has now paused all political donations in Florida due to new legislation that bans teachers from speaking to or teaching about gender or anything of a sexual nature to four to eight-year-olds. It is so mind-boggling to me that anybody would get so up in arms over protecting children this young, especially coming from the CEO of a company that caters to children. But a lot of liberals around the country hate this for some reason, and I'm not really sure why. Last year, the number was 6%. This year, it's down to 4% of Americans who claim to be a Christian while not possessing a biblical worldview. The research shows that most parents are syncretistic, meaning that they blend multiple worldviews. Take a little from this, a little from that, mash it all up into a belief system that is far from biblical or Christian. Have you often wondered just how well our federal tax dollars are being used? Chances are you're likely already aware of the evil things our government is supporting with your money, just like last week when the Department of Health and Human Services Director Xavier Becerra gave $500,000 of your tax money to a New Hampshire Planned Parenthood as the state has attempted to defund the murder farm. But Becerra gave them $500,000 and told them, quote, we've got your back. Yes, they certainly do. You know what we need? A government that steps up to defend the most vulnerable and helpless members of society. Yet our government continues allowing them to be murdered. 
Okay, so admittedly, I'm not really educated on most things, but especially this next subject. A Maryland man who was the first to receive a heart transplant from a genetically modified pig died last week, just two months after receiving the experimental transplant. The family of Mr. Bennett, the patient, said they were all aware of the risks of the procedure not working and that Mr. Bennett would have died without the procedure anyway. And I know there are different thoughts and opinions on this subject, but I think God intended for animal organs to live in animals. Genesis 1 has an awful lot to say about God creating things to multiply after their own kind. Well, the woke monster is alive and well and still on the hunt. This time, the victim is Dr. Julie Overball, an award-winning scientist and the senior vice president at Fred Hutchison Cancer Research Center. She's widely known for her research on HIV. But she's been canceled now. It seems 13 years ago, Dr. Overball attended a costume party with a Michael Jackson theme, and she went as Michael Jackson. Okay, so think this through with me. She wore a Michael Jackson costume to a Michael Jackson-themed party. Yep, racist. She's gotta go. No, what's gotta go is this woke cancel culture nonsense because it is ruining this country along with a lot of other liberal nonsense. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The gospel is present throughout all of Scripture, beginning with the book of Genesis. Immediately after the fall, God promises a Messiah who will crush the head of the serpent. Even in the Garden of Eden, God was preparing the means of our salvation through Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, let's just see if I can practice what I just preached. This is Wretched Radio, encouraging us to try to do better than Bill Maher. When it comes to political and social and moral and religious discourse, I I need to do better than Bill Maher, who will on the one hand say, let's be nice, and then he will be anything but nice when he talks about political foes. He can't find the balance. I have to. I'm called to something higher because there's something at stake here. There is There's more going on than what meets the eye. And I just stumbled into another verse that tells me that last night in my 842 hours of daily private quiet time. I, uh, if you want to see the pictures of me doing it, they're on Facebook <laughs> with a cup of coffee that says WWJD or something like that. I ran into another verse that reminds me um, when I respond to people, God is working. God is doing something, and I don't want to undermine my doctrine. And that is what we hear all throughout 1 Peter, the book of persecution. Hey, your testimony is at stake. Be careful. They're going to ask about the reason for the hope that lies within you. If you respond with kindness and if you are loving and truthful and you work hard and you submit appropriately, the gospel is at stake. So last night, I'm reading through 1 Timothy. And it wasn't easy. I don't mind telling you. The lighting wasn't. I removed myself from our bedroom last night. That's right. Mrs. Friel had a bit of a head cold. And we've made a, we've got a policy in our house. If the other one's getting sick, you get to the guest room. That's just get out and keep yourself safe. You get so, it. You've got to quarantine bunkers. We, we quarant- I quarantined myself last night. Okay. It wasn't easy. 
the bed is very good. <laughs> so I'm reading First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Oh, that's a hard word, isn't it? So that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. There it is right there. Simple little toss away line. So that the name of God won't be blasphemed. I must speak the way that Jesus did. Otherwise, people are going to impugn God and his doctrines. And what I believe, they're going to they're gonna mock it. They're going to, oh, yeah, you're just a hypocrite. Where's the love now? Aren't Christians supposed to be loving? Uh, I got to remember, my motivation in doing so is that there's more at stake here. God wants to save people. And he could use the way that I talk to accomplish his end. He could use that. In the saving of a soul, I got I to gotta keep that in mind. So suddenly I'm called to something higher, aren't I? I got I to do better than Bill Maher. I know the bar is low there, but I, I just got, I got to do better than that. So, Jimmy. Yes? Did I practice what I've been preaching, trying to talk about not being this or that? It's being like Jesus. I think that's the path forward. Right. Absolutely. I think you did fine. I think you did good. Fine. Oh, you did great. Fine. You did great. <laughs> You're not being very loving, Jimmy. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you did wonderful. Much better. Thank okay. you very much. Right. <laughs> I, 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 I think that as I've been trying to figure out the issue, my at least my my sense of the issue is we study Jesus. Okay, how did he do it here? How did he do it there? Okay, now I need to smush those two together, and I find myself going, I don't know when exactly I'm supposed to talk like this versus that. How can I know? And I think the answer is, rather than merely studying what Jesus said, I didn't say don't study what Jesus said, rather than merely studying it, I need to be like him. And then it will just happen. I will know when to be severe. I will know when to be harsh. I will know when to be gentle and soft. But if I'm not cultivating that, I don't have a chance. I absolutely do not have a chance in this world that we are living in right now. I'm telling you, it is one ridiculous story after another. For instance, mm, grades pre-K through three. This is for grades pre-K through three. We don't want kids hearing about gender business. H.R. 1557 passed the Republican-controlled Florida House of Representatives, 6947. By the way, not all Republicans voted for that. What? It's so that three-year-olds don't hear about gender stuff? Hoofta. At any rate, here's the response from the Democrats. I mean, you... Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about three-year-olds being told, do you think you're a boy or do you think you're a girl? You look very pretty today, Billy. And by the way, I've heard that. I was once standing by a, what would you, where you receive, where the, where the kids get dropped off so that they could, they could do like a, a day camp. And I heard one of the greeters say to the boy, you are so pretty. You're so pretty. And I just watched the little boy like, I'm not pretty. You better get used to it because you're awfully pretty. And I went, duh, (laughs) with a little child. 
We should have some indignation about things like that, shouldn't we? We're talking about kids here. And then add this to it. Florida Senate Democrats, in an effort to advance the narrative that this particular bill is the don't say gay bill, posted a video of a group of lawmakers walking down the hall of the Florida Capitol Capitol building Monday. They chanted the word gay and proclaimed things like, my daughter's gay to the tune of smoke on the water. I don't even, how do you, smoke on the water. My daughter's gay. It doesn't even, you don't even have the same syllable. It doesn't even, whatever. Then they tweeted this. This is from the Florida Senate Democrats. We've got one thing to say to our GOP colleagues, all caps, gay exclamation point. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona released a statement Tuesday condemning the Florida bill as one of these several hateful bills that hurt some of the students most in need. They're three. They're in kindergarten. Uh, I actually agree with Matt Walsh, who made an appearance on, I think it was Tucker Carlson, just read the read the, a couple of quotes from it. Now, the, the school shouldn't be teaching this stuff ever to, high, to seniors in high school. It's not their role. It's not their place. It's not their job to be doing those things. That is a parental job. Your job is to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Not how to feel comfortable in your own flesh and change your gender by coming up with a plan to convert you into a different gender, supposedly, in six weeks. How do do you not get furious with this? (laughs) Last month, public schools across the U.S. participated in the annual Jazz and Friends Day. Where adults read books promoting transgenderism to young children. One of the books listed as recommended was for kindergarten through second grade is called Calvin time to be all caps me. The book tells the story of a biologically female child who quote child who quote always has been a boy, even if the world sees him as a girl. We're reading that to children. All right, here's the challenge. I'm supposed to be loving. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be gentle, which doesn't mean squishy. It means just power under control. And yet we're doing this to children. The only way that I can see doing this is almost by trying to flatten my tone and just say, um, Jesus has words to say to people who cause little children to stumble and mistreat them. He has very severe words. Better than a millstone be tied around your neck. And you'll be tossed into the ocean. That's that's the fire that you're playing with, Florida Democrats. Repent. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. You need this and all of your other sins forgiven. I, I if I if I don't frame it trying to think like Jesus, what's at stake? What's involved? What's going on? I'm gonna sound like Bill Maher, who on the one hand, depending on his context and setting, sounds very nice with Ben Shapiro. Then he goes on his own program and just trashes people. I'm not I'm not going to do any better. Here's here's an another story that can just make you go with what's going on in the world that you you've got right now the federal government trying to shut down Texas from doing what Texas wants to do and that is to protect small children from this very same issue. 
And then and, and then you've got and you've got the president lecturing us, saying that we're hurting children by not allowing them to hurt children. <laughs> mm. Mm. How do you do it? How do you how do you find it? And I think that I'm going to exert my energies. Not in this is sort this is sort of like marriage counseling. Here's marriage counseling. You need to see yourself as the biggest sinner. And then your spouse will start following along. Okay, all right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see my yeah, I'm the biggest sinner here. No, that's that's not it at all. These aren't principles. These aren't these these aren't rules for us to follow. We study these things. We try to apply these things to become like Jesus, to be like Jesus, not just to accomplish an end that we believe is good. That is our challenge. Not so much our speech, but our hearts. This is Wretched Radio. How would you like to be considered the second smartest person on the planet behind this guy? It was, a, it was, a, it was, it was. Okay, maybe that was a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner is one of the wisest decisions you'll ever make. Gospel Partners Media is a 501c3 nonprofit, meaning all financial gifts are tax deductible. But other than that, why should you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? Simple, because it's your gifts that help us create compelling gospel-centered content that reach millions of people all over the world. And we're members in good standing with the ECFA, the financial accountability folks who audit our books yearly to keep us transparent and accountable to our gospel partners. And 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. So, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us at Gospel Partners Media? Just visit wretched.org slash donate to get complete details. We think it's one of the wisest investments you can make. Wretched.org slash donate. Confession normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. So what do you get when you mix a group of Gen Z college students and a group of biblical experts together with 2,000-year-old questions? Well, of course, you get Road Trip to Truth. John Favares has hit the road on a quest to find answers to life's biggest questions like environmentalism, social Darwinism, the deadly impact of pornography, and the dangers of agnosticism. Those are just a few of the topics covered in Season 2 of Road Trip to Truth, which is available now at roadtriptotruth.org. Season 1 is also available, along with study guides for each season and a homeschool curriculum. Road Trip to Truth helps your children better understand questions from the world from a biblical perspective, and it will help you learn how to witness more effectively to this generation. So grab your copy of Season 1 and 2 of Road Trip to Truth at roadtriptotruth.org. 
disciples of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called a curse for us. When Adam sinned, all creation came under a curse, and everyone who breaks God's law is cursed. But Jesus bore our curse on the cross so that we may receive the blessings of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. As long as we're studying how Jesus spoke, this is Wretched Radio, a challenging section of Scripture for those of us in the 21st century who are not as aware of the culture, the context, the attitudes, the language of the first century. We can read a section like Matthew 15 and say, whoa, Jesus seems pretty um, mean there. In fact, there are even contemporary articles and authors who are saying Jesus was downright racist. He was a bigot, a misogynist. He called a Syrophoenician woman, which meant she was a Gentile, the B word. Is that what Jesus was doing in Matthew chapter 15? Jesus went out from there and departed for the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. All right. Got to remember, Jesus came as a Jew for the Jews, because that was the promise. And that was that was going to be the order of things. And we, of course, know that God has always been about saving everyone, using the Jewish people as his evangelistic tool to bless them for obedience, to show the other nations, hey, something special is going on in Israel. Who's their God over there? And the mystery revealed has always been that Jews and Gentiles will be saved. Let's remember that context. Furthermore, let's remember the intensity of the hatred between Gentiles and Jews. Even those in Samaria who were half Jewish or at least partially Jewish. Oh, they didn't even uh, Jews wouldn't even walk through Samaria. That's how much they despised them. That's our context. Let's see if we can make sense of what Jesus said. He answered not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, send her away. She cries out after us. But Jesus answered and said, all right, so stop right there. The disciples are the ones that are annoyed with the woman. And Jesus says, no, let her, I want to hear what she has to say. Let her, let her come. Does that sound like a man who's going to be a misogynist? He shouldn't have, according to the current cultural context of the first century, he shouldn't even talk to the woman. But he does. He talks to the woman at Samaria, interestingly, to non-Jewish women. Why would he do such a thing? To be sexist? Hardly. He was playing counter to what the culture demanded in its day. His disciples said, send her away. Jesus said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So he was sent for the house of Israel. So I hear you, but my mission is to be for the Jewish people. And she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What? 
So they're calling her a dog, are you? Mm, let's keep going. And he and she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. The story continues. Verse 28. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And your daughter and her daughter was healed from that very hour. Okay. If Jesus were a genuine sexist, racist, misogynistic man, he wouldn't have done that. Clearly, he was after something else. An article from Jerry Boyer in Christian Post dealing with the story to help us understand what's really going on. The woman asked Jesus to cast a demon out of the daughter. Jesus doesn't initially grant the request, sends her away. He explains his priority is to come to the flock of Israel. Instead of rejecting Jesus' metaphor, which was used in those days, the woman accepts it. And he responds, woman, great is your faith. Request honored. One, Jesus does not use the standard New Testament Greek word for dog. He uses a diminutive small form of the word, which suggests a small household dog rather than wild street dogs. This event is the only time this Greek word is used in the New Testament to describe a dog, and it's not used in the Greek translations of the Old Testament. Back then, the word dog could be very pejorative. That was not the word that Jesus chose. Now, we still wrestle with that, so let's continue learning. Let's set aside the ridiculous idea that he is calling her a nasty name. First, it's grammatically impossible. He used the neuter case, not the feminine, and he used plural not singular. He's not calling her anything. He's describing a class of people, probably Gentiles, and that is precisely what they were known as. So Jesus, in a sense, was basically, you know, you, you people, rumor is your dogs. I came just for the chosen people. How do you respond to that? He wasn't calling her a dog. He was, in a sense, representing the attitude of the day toward Gentiles, and it wasn't to endorse it. Third, let's get rid of the idea that he's dehumanizing her by using an animal analogy. The Bible is filled with metaphors comparing humans to various animals, many of them positive. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That doesn't, it's not negative. In fact, this very encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, he refers to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he just called the Jewish people lost sheep. Was that intended to be mean? No, they're like sheep who have gone astray. It's language that was used to describe people. This is not Jews are humans, Gentiles are animals. Both are humans and both can be described with animal analogies. And please note, Jesus' reference to the house of Israel, which clearly fits with the theme that the household inclusion is a theme here. Jesus' objection is not that she's a dog who doesn't deserve help, but rather that his first obligation is to his own household. Otherwise, he'd be worse than an infidel who would, should not have bread taken from them. So he was just following the mission. He was staying on task. He wasn't being nasty. He wasn't being sexist. He wasn't calling her the B word. Fifth, the woman clearly sees Jesus' meaning. He mentions household dogs. She embraces and extends the metaphor. Using the same Greek word, puppies do get the bread, 
but it is not taken away from the babies. It simply falls to the floor. Of course, that only happens in the household. The table is not out in the wilderness and wild dogs even in the street. It's in the house or the courtyard. Otherwise, the metaphor doesn't make any sense. When we read the words of Jesus, wow, do we ever have to know culture? Do we ever have to know context? Do we ever have to know the attitude of people toward one another? This is hermeneutics 101. And you've got an increasing number of individuals inside of the church saying, well, Jesus was pretty, pretty bad form that day. No, no, he wasn't. He always spoke a fitting word. Always. Now, remember, there were people watching this, too. Don't forget the context that Jesus is showing himself to be what? The king. And what are the attitudes of the people of the day? What are the attitudes of the disciples? The the Gentiles are terrible and horrible. And Jesus on at least, no, on several, because it all also with the Roman, with the captain of the guard, who was a proselyte, was was a a convert to Judaism. He healed. He was kind. He was good. He was just using the language of the day. How do I know this? Because Jesus would never speak a nasty word. He just, he couldn't do it. He understood what Solomon said. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And so he wouldn't besmirch somebody. He wouldn't tear somebody down. He wouldn't be reckless with others, what they should be counting precious, which is their own reputation, which, by the way, would be a word for us. Just a warning. Boy, do we see that a lot these days, don't we? How people talk about other believers, critical of other believers, how we excoriate one another when we disagree on some issues, or we hear a story or a rumor or an innuendo. Reputation is a precious thing, which means I don't want to be going after that unnecessarily. Now, do we know from Jesus there are times when it is right to label it clearly? Yes, Absolutely. But at the same time, I want to be making sure it's absolutely necessary. Uh, I I don't want people to just suddenly think that the person is a leper because I disagree with them on a particular issue, especially a secondary or tertiary issue. Here's a test for you. you. You can see how you're doing in that regard when you leave church on Sunday. How do you talk about the folks that you encountered that day. How do you talk about the pastor? How do you talk about the worship? How do you talk about the elders? If it's, if it's a tearing down, and these are, these are people who are striving to be godly, we probably want to take Solomon's warning. Don't be messing with people's reputation. We know that Jesus would never do that. Therefore, we know with the Syrophoenician woman, Jesus was not being a misogynistic racist. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.